ever feel inadequate as a mom? Boy, I sure do. Even the most intentional of moms battle the lie that says you are not good enough. You don't have what it takes to nurture and guide your children. Those are the lies that we all feel sometimes. My intentional mom friend, our good God chose you to be mama of your family. You can rest in him for he is the great gap filler. The truth is, You're going to have gaps in your parenting and in your abilities and in your resources. And God sees every need within your family. He sees your legitimate weaknesses and he knows the lies of inadequacy that you battle with in your mind only. He is the good shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture. You can count on him to watch over you and your family and to fill the gaps that you miss, but also to tell you that he chose you and he has appointed you for the worthy journey of motherhood that you are on with your family. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with one of my favorite intentional moms. And well, she's also one of my grown daughters, Becca. But first, let's hear from the true VIPs. My guests that were on a couple weeks ago are here to help me out at the beginning of today's podcast. Welcome to the Practically Speaking Mom Podcast. I love you, Jamie. I love you, too. You want to do it, too, Asher? Say welcome. Welcome. To the... To the... Practically... Practically... Speaking... Speaking... Mom... Mom... Podcast. Podcast. Say, that's my grandma. That's my grandma. I love you, Asher. I love you, Asher. <laughs> did you guys come to visit grandma at grandma's house no you you did it no. well where are you right now at our house no you're at grandma's house did you come to see aunt emmy and aunt abby yes you can you did yeah <laughs> jamie how old are you four you're four Asher, can you say hi in the microphone? Hi. How old are you? Three. You're three? Yeah. Do you guys have some good news? Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell the good news to the listeners in the microphone. What do I tell them? You tell them about the surprise. What surprise? In mommy's tummy. Okay. Mom has a baby in her tummy. Yeah. That means you're going to have a little brother or sister, right? What size is it right now? It's as big as... A kidney bean. A kidney bean. A kidney bean. What size was it before, Asher? A bluebell. Okay. What was it before that? A sesame seed. Sesame seed. Yeah, <laughs> sesame seed. <laughs> That's right. I'm so very thankful to have you back in the studio again, Becca. It has been so long since we've been able to do this. So you're mama to four-year-old Jamie and three-year-old Asher. And as Jamie and Asher just announced to all the listeners, also mama to a little one that you are growing and all of the things that come with that, the tired and the nauseous (laughs) and all those things that you're dealing with right now. Welcome back to the studio. Thanks. It's good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) 
let's just jump right in with, so what are some trials you're dealing with right now at this season of your life? I think the biggest trial in the current moment of our lives is just I am, um, I'm in first trimester pregnancy and with both my previous pregnancies, I was pretty sick the whole time and didn't realize a lot of underlying health conditions that I had going on. So since then, I thankfully figured out a lot of my health stuff, one of which was an autoimmune disease that causes a lot of tiredness and and nausea on its own and things like that. So being nauseous on top of that has been definitely a struggle to, yeah, just figure out how to navigate being a mom to two very active boys while also being sick on the couch a lot of the day. And that's definitely causing some um, different family dynamics, just figuring out how to function the best of my ability, but also how to let the kids learn how to step up a little bit, you know, to their to their three and four year old capacity <laughs> and let my husband step in when I don't want to be asking so much extra of him. You know, I'm having to learn a lot of um do a lot of personal work on, well, honestly, my pride and not wanting to ask for help, but also just trusting God with their emotional and physical capacity, asking more of them than I would like, but trusting that this is the season God has us in. And he is, he's obviously called our family to this. He established this, this new life that is growing and, you know, he knew what all that would entail. And so trusting that he's walking with them through just that hard transition yeah, and all that comes with that. You know, while you were, while you were napping today, which is such a blessing to us. <laughs> That's been happening a, a lot since yes, I've been here, right, which is great. Right. But it's such a blessing to us because then we get to feel like we're helping you. It's giving you a break. And also we're getting all of this great time with the boys. So I was sort of multitasking while you were sleeping today. I had the boys in Emma's room because Emma's room is where all the toys are. (laughs) But Emma's room needed to be cleaned. So I was monitoring Emma cleaning while I was monitoring the boys playing with some of the toys in there while I was reading to them from a book. I'll put a link in the show notes to it because I can't exactly think of the name of it at this moment, but it's about the 23rd Psalm and that Jesus is our shepherd and all that that means. And so there was this section in there where it was talking about, so the, the author of this was a shepherd, so he's very familiar with, you know, when, when he reads the 23rd Psalm, he sees so much more in it than the average person would see. So he was saying, I thought that was so interesting, I had to bring mm-hmm. this up for you, that sheep get cast down. And that means they get stuck on their back. And if they are not rescued by the shepherd quickly, they either get extremely dehydrated and just a a lot of things happen, such as like all of this, I, I don't understand the biology of it, but he described it in there that it messes up their legs And then that just makes them even more unable to turn themselves over. And so he has to go and look for, that's why he's counting a sheep. That's one of the reasons why he's counting a sheep and, and there's one cast down. And as I was reading that to them, he pointed out that actually sheep that are expecting little babies tend to be more the ones that get cast down. And, you know, they're not used to all that's going on with their bodies. And so they lay down to rest and they lay down a little too far and then they end up on their back. And isn't it something that if we don't have these times where we need Christ, 
where we need his extra, we wouldn't be getting Christ's extra and we wouldn't be relying on him and we wouldn't be needing him and we wouldn't be seeing him intercede. And, you know, I say on here other times, he is the great gap filler. Mm-hmm. And so as we go through these different seasons, yeah, you're experiencing different gaps than you normally do. But those gaps are this great opportunity for all of your family to see what they're made of, to see what God puts in them, ability in them that they don't normally have or didn't know they're capable of. And that gives them some some new self-labels that are, I am more capable. I help mom. Um, I help my brother, you know, I help daddy, all of these things. God uses these times when we are down Uh to bolster us in communion with him, but also in filling up our kids, you know, and and giving them something new. So anyway, I just thought it was cool that God had me reading that today about these pregnant lambs that find themselves in extra need of the Savior on a day when we were getting to bless you. So I just loved that. God's so cool like that. That's cool. That's definitely, even just hearing that, like hearing that the the pregnant sheep are the ones more prone to that is just like, oh, that's so annoying. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm such a, a doer. I always want to be like overachieving, you know, not that I'm so great. That's just my personality. Well, honestly, that was a lot of your doing well. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not necessarily a great trait. It's not. Yeah, I'm not. There's not. Yes, There's this is not it is bragging good, on myself. Right. This is just my, my personality combined with my upbringing makes me very much like I feel the need to be accomplishing. And when I'm laying on the couch, doing nothing that's very much the opposite of accomplishing, especially when I see all the ways that I'm falling short, it feels like. And just feeling, yeah, just feeling inadequate and feeling like I'm letting my kids down, my husband down, you know, whatever it is. Like, yes, it's been very humbling, but also really good reminder just that, yeah, like you said, God is the great gap filler and he he calls us to different seasons and different times. And I'm so thankful that this is like, while it's been a hard time, it's still very much a joyful thing, you know, for us. So that's definitely a blessing. But also just a yeah a blessing to learn to give up some of that control that I so desperately want to hold on to. When you said inadequacy just now, it reminds me yesterday that you and I were talking about a valentine that Jamie oh, made for you. Yes. Can you share that with them? <laughs> uh, we were just talking about... I don't know, at least among my mom friends, I hear this a lot. And I feel like it's just really common among moms, a a way that Satan likes to attack us is, yeah, making us feel like we are falling short. And making the times that we do fall short really loud in our minds, but then even times that we're not disguised to look like we are. So my son on Valentine's at his um, preschool program that he goes to, they filled out these papers that was like, asking, I love this food, and I love to play this, and I love to do this with dad, and I love when mom does blank with me, and he filled out, I love when mom plays with me, and literally all the other answers, I was like, oh, that's so sweet, like he wrote, he loves to wrestle with dad, and to play with his brother, and I was like, oh, he just loves them, that's so sweet, and as soon as I read that about, I love it when mom plays with me, my first thought was, oh my goodness, he's probably saying that because I don't play with him enough and he's wishing I would play with him more. And I'm like, I caught it, thankfully. I don't always catch those thoughts, but thankfully that time I caught it. And I was like, that is just the most ridiculous thing (laughs) that I've ever heard. That this was a time that 
I was taking as a, a sweet, precious thing from my son in regards to his brother and to his dad. But as soon as it got to me, I was thinking of all the times that I am not playing with him. And in my head, I hear that thought of like, you're not doing good enough or you're hurting him or, you know, whatever, whatever those lies Satan whispers to me in those moments all came flooding back when I read that thing that was a positive thing from him. So it was just crazy to me that he can twist that so quickly in our minds and just made me that much more aware of it. I'm thankful that I feel like the Holy Spirit revealed that to me because it's definitely made me watch for that more closely in other areas. Right. Well, what do you feel like are some triumphs that you're having right now? I feel like a big area that we've been really thankful for lately is we spent several months really struggling with our four-year-old. He had a lot of anxiety. We were struggling with sleep with him. He was not sleeping at all. We were having some behavior problems and just really struggling to figure out how to love him well, how to parent him within that, how to teach him the gospel in regards to those things. Just Yeah, all the all the aspects of that, parenting a child with anxiety and, and that struggle. And um, we did have him in therapy for several months. And that was, it was play therapy. And it was so helpful in learning what made Jamie tick. And we would be playing on the floor and the therapist would just be asking simple, seemingly innocent questions. And then at the end of the session... I would have a breakdown time with the therapist while Jamie, you know, ate a snack and listened to something. And it was from a Christian perspective. Definitely, my husband and I are both big advocates for therapy, but definitely from a biblical perspective. It was just really helpful in um, teaching us what cues to look for in him and some language to use with him. Combining that with just our own prayer and working with the Holy Spirit in how to speak to Jamie's heart. I'm really just feeling thankful that I feel like we've made some big progress there and we know how to communicate with him in a way that he feels heard and safe and able to tell us what's going on. It's it's helped him learn how to investigate in himself what he's experiencing and what's causing him some of his stress and anxiety. And it's helped us know how to see that even before he does and be able to speak to that so I've just been really thankful for learning how to speak to him. Now we still, <laughs> we're still working on figuring that out with my three-year-old, which I'm sure they're always changing so much. Well, you know, we feel like we have Jamie figured out right now, but I'm sure six months from now we'll feel right, differently. Right. But yeah, anyway, it, it yeah. seems like I volley with, with all of my kids, like six months are great. They're the sweetest thing I ever saw yeah. in my life. They're so <laughs> cute all the time. And we just bond over everything. And then the next six months, I'm like, oh, I can hardly stand this. <laughs> yeah. But that one that I was frustrated with, he is adorable. I just love him. It's always yeah. so funny that, and I really do think it has something to do with some growth hormones going on in them. It really does affect their, just all aspects of their character and demeanor about half of the time every year. But let's go just a little bit into some things that you said there. First of all, I have to say, since I don't live by you guys, there's spaces between when I see the kids and then the next time that I see them. And so I get to see these growth steps in them that maybe are less obvious to you. It was so obvious, his growth since the last time I saw him from being a nervous kid, a concerned kid, 
to he really does have a peace and calm and confidence about him that wasn't there before. And it's been so cool. And it wasn't that long ago that I saw him, you know, mm-hmm. maybe two months, um, maybe not even that long. So you mentioned sleep. What have you changed about sleep that's working? Honestly, I think learning his how his anxiety worked and how to giving him tools. Can you like give us an example? So he he's always been a very anxious kid, even from when he was young enough that he was barely talking. We would be reading a book and he would point out the people that were sad. And he would say, why? You know, he would say, why? We didn't even understand what he was asking yet. But then as he developed a little bit more language, like he was always picking up on why is this person crying? Or why is this person sad? Or what if this bad thing happens? Or, you know, he's just always just been a very, very deep thinker and picks up on negatives a lot. So our sleep struggles were usually he would just be laying awake at night asking all these deep ridiculous questions of like what if what if this happened you know we for the longest time we could not get him to wash his hands in the sink because he was absolutely terrified that the sink was going to overflow and flood the house and i think it was because he saw a curious george episode where the apartment flooded because they left the sink you know just little things like that he was just very very concerned over everything um so learning um, with the help of therapy, some different tools to sometimes it's a matter of just telling him like, Jamie, I'm so glad that you care about this person and why they're crying. And that would be a time to give them a hug, but it is not your job to always be making sure they're okay. You know, like you can go over and give them a hug, but like if it's, if it's your brother that's crying, go give him a hug and ask him if you can do anything. But if you can't, then like it's mommy's job to take care of Asher and you do not have to carry that Mm -hmm. burden, you know, uh, helping establish with him, like, what is your job to be worried about? And what is my job with the, with the bathroom sink? Like, it's good that you want to be responsible and not flood the house, but it is mommy's job to keep the house safe and to take care of our things and to, you know, just establishing with him, like, this is an area that you can be worried about. Like if you, if you break your toy, yes, it's your job to be responsible with your toys and you need to be careful with them or something like that. But as far as like the house goes, like you don't, you don't need to be terrified that you're going to flood the house and things like that. So instead of just saying like, oh, that's ridiculous. Because I, I kind of was getting frustrated. It was a couple months of he would have a meltdown whenever we would wash his hands. And I was getting frustrated just saying like, Jamie, that's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. And then when I learned the language of that is okay that you're worried about that. You saw this scary thing and Curious George. And sometimes that does happen, but it's mommy's job to take care of that. And you don't, so instead of saying like, oh, that would never happen. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That just makes him feel unheard. So he feels that he needs to say it louder. So instead saying that, you know, you can trust God with your safety and with this, and this is how Jesus shows us that he takes care of us in the Bible. And this is the job that mommy and daddy have been given by God to to do to take care of you, you know. So that's yeah, that's definitely played a big role in it for sure. Just learning the the right language to have with him. Yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, let's talk Asher for a minute. One thing I've noticed, I wanted to ask you about this that I'm really big on with my preschool age kiddos or in this case grandkids, if I'm talking to them and going to give them an instruction, I'll say, "Let me see your eyes." 
or look at grandma's eyes because I want us to be face to face. I'm going to have better, you know, their full attention then. And so he's one, Asher, the three-year-old, is one that really resists eye contact with me when I'm giving him instructions, I've noticed. So I'm not around him all the time, and I am not able to, as well as you could, identify, like, what do you think is going on? Yes, I think, again, something I learned from you was the importance of eye contact and just the the respect aspect of that. And um, so that's something I've always been big on. And I've always had that struggle with him. That I mean, one, he is just a very distracted little boy. <laughs> he's always head in the clouds. There's always a bunch of wheels turning that I have no idea what he's thinking about usually. And then he'll just blurt something out yeah. that it's clear he's been on some rabbit trail, you know. Yeah, he is off, very imaginative. It, yes, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, he's always got a lot going on in his imagination. So for one, it's just he just doesn't want to be still and he's noticing, oh, there's a butterfly outside, you know, different things like that. But also, I've noticed he even doesn't like to make eye contact in sweet moments. I first noticed it when I would be like disciplining him, he would not want to make eye contact, which I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I wasn't sure if it was he didn't want to own up to it or what it was yet. But then I started noticing like, oh, it's also like, even if we're having a, a moment of like bonding or something sweet is happening, if I start affirming him like, oh, Asher, you did such a good job with this. He will actually break eye contact. Like it's, I haven't quite figured it out Mm -hmm. yet, but I think he just doesn't know what to do with that level of connection. Gotcha. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because he definitely will respond to that. He'll be like, oh, I did do good with that. Or, you know, like he'll respond Mm -hmm. um, with a question or like, oh, what did you think of this? Or, you know, it's clear that that speaks to him uh, when, like if it is a moment of bonding, but he will, yeah, he will look away and start kind of fidgeting again and stuff. I think it's just in big moments, whether it's positive or negative, I think he just hasn't figured out what to do with that yet. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't know Mm -hmm. how to be still with it. (laughs) And, and I do partly think it's a pride thing when it is a, Mm -hmm. um, when it is especially a discipline moment, he is very, very big on control. He has always, always been extremely controlling. And so he just doesn't want to give up that control. I think he gets very embarrassed when he's done something wrong. He really is a really deeply caring kid. And when he knows he's done something he shouldn't, he is embarrassed that he's, you know, done done this whatever negative thing it was. And I think it's also a pride thing that he doesn't want to deal with that in himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which I think I see some similarities between him and our youngest, Uh for her at a young age, the element of pride that that I really struggled with with her was she would not repeat things back to me. Because Uh that's another Uh thing that I'm that's really big to me is, you know, if I give an instruction, they need to repeat it back to me word for word, (laughs) the the way that I say it, because one, I want to know they're capable of the task. And if they can't remember the details, then clearly I've given them too hard of a task. So it's a, a measurement for me that I'm kind of on track with that or not. And then secondly, it creates a contract between us. If I said it and the child has repeated it back to me, well, now they're at a level of accountability that it's Uh going to get done. They can't say I didn't hear you. They can't say I didn't understand. It's harder for them to say I forgot because we just made this verbal contract with each other. So she was always super resistant with that. It is difficult. Something you said earlier today 
was you're wanting to respect him in these times when it, you know, it's his pride at stake that he's having to look at you when he's done something wrong or to be given an instruction. You brought up with me earlier that you want to respect him, but at the same time, he needs to learn to respect you. Yeah. And yeah, those things are difficult to find that balance, but you are right that our kids need both. Within a day, they need moments where you are saying, I respect you enough to give you some options. Uh And then in every day, they need some moments where their behavior is saying, I respect you, mom, and I'm going to do it exactly the way you say. They need to experience all of these different levels of things because they're going to experience all of those throughout their life. And so, yes, I want to raise a little daughter who's, you know, getting older now. She's 11. Well, I mean, you're my daughter too, but yeah. (laughs) um, in this case, the one that I'm most recently struggling with and the pride thing, I want to raise her to be independent and strong and dependable and have a little bit of fire in her belly and have a lot of determination. But I also want her to be a team player and I want her to be humble enough to come to someone and say, I totally messed up in this way and I owe you an apology or to be able to do exactly what her boss says, Uh you know, or her teacher says, and it's tough. And I know it's a process. So I hope that moms who are listening that might be struggling with the same thing, who have some kids that are not listening or not having those moments in the day where we are requiring exact obedience of them, that we keep at it like you do, Becca, you follow through, you keep at it, even though you know that it might take a little longer with this one, you know, and I might not see the results for more months than, than another one, but it's worth it. So hang in there and keep doing it. Mom friend, aren't you glad that our God is the great gap filler? You hear me say on this podcast regularly that even with all of my mistakes and my kids' imperfections, that my family is a masterpiece designed by God, and your family is too. Well, we're just getting started in this conversation with Becca. Next week, we'll talk about the issues of disciplining our kids at multiple ages. We'll talk about mom guilt. And finally, we'll talk about some health solutions that Becca has found for some physical concerns in her life. Hey, mom, could you take a quick minute at the end of this episode and click on the share button and let your friend group know about this podcast? My family and I take the time to produce this podcast each week because we want to strengthen families. Can you help us do that by showing some of your friends how to subscribe to my weekly email containing the podcast and blog? They just get on practicallyspeakingmom.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and enter their email. That's it. That's all it takes to receive an email each week containing the podcast and blog. And we thank you ahead of time for joining us in this mission to encourage and equip intentional moms to build strong families. See you next week.